0: And welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Barocco and I'm joined as ever by Steve Carroll. Evening, Steve. Evening. And we're delighted to welcome uh, back Stu James, a regular guest on the pod. Evening, Stu.
1: Evening, Matt. Evening, Steve. Great to be back on. Thank you for having me.
0: Happy new season to you.
1: And to you, too.
0: So we've got plenty to talk about, Stu. Um, I know you were hoping to join us last week for our season preview pod, um, but uh, we'll have a little chat about how you think the summer's gone. Um, in general, since Michael Duff's coming, it was a bit of a turbulent uh, start of the summer, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, with, with the Russell Martin saga. And um, well, dragged on forever, didn't it?
1: Yeah, that was a, a really frustrating period, wasn't it? Because everybody knew that Russell Martin was going. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it, it just went on and on and on. And uh, we clearly uh, spoke to a number of people as well. And it wasn't clear for a little while who would be coming in. And that makes you anxious. And then obviously, uh, Michael Duff's name uh, emerged. And you're all, you, you worry, I think, always with, the, with these things is I think if you have the scenario where the players come back for pre-season and a manager isn't in place, it just it just doesn't look good and it doesn't set a good tone. And we had this a uh, little while back, didn't we, when. Uh, when Steve Cooper departed and um, you've got all that upheaval then um, and the players are wondering what's happening so I think we did it just in the nick of time didn't we he he came in uh, and then 24 hours later um, sort of Duff was meeting the players Uh, so so that was all good and then there was a flurry of signings I seem to think we had three in fairly quickly and then it uh, then it sort of quietened down for a little bit as it does at times and um, yeah all in all I think it's been it's been really good. We're obviously still crying out for that left-sided defensive player um, but I think we can all be encouraged by the other business we've done and uh, yeah obviously the the big question is um, what happens between now and the end of the window in terms of in terms of probably two players in particular, Matt Grimes and uh, Joe Perot.
0: Yeah it just feels different doesn't it Steve? I mean in terms of how we've done our business particularly since Probably since I've been doing this pod. It doesn't it's something we've really had our uh, hand. It seems to have been a a, ch- a poison chalice for this uh, for this club really, because it I started doing it during the part where we started nose diving down the Premier League, and maybe since then our business has been a bit haphazard, all over the shop, last minute things. I and mean, Stu, I remember you did a piece before or you spoke about it before, of the amount of business we've done on deadline day. And Stephen, this one, this summer seems to be, we're actually getting it done early on and getting the business and getting players in the door before that mad rush. Yeah, I
2: think quite often we've been reactive, haven't we, rather than proactive. That's probably the best way of, of describing it. Maybe waiting for one or two to leave before bringing people in. And then your top targets have gone, really, haven't they? So we have been better this time. I think we have probably you know backed this manager quicker than we have most of the others mm-hmm. under this regime, really. So it does feel a bit more promising. Obviously there's another couple of weeks to go, isn't it? But as Stuart said, that that left back is, you know, still a huge priority really. But, um, you know, I think when we made those couple of signings in the week before the season started, it just gave you that hope then didn't it? that, you know, we weren't going to have such an unbalanced team going into the first game. And that was the case really then, wasn't it? So, yeah, I think it's, there's certainly reasons to be positive. Um, you know, as ever, we'll see where we're at when we at, um, at the end of the window. I think there's there's more comings and goings to be had. So um, yeah, but it's, it certainly feels a bit more positive than than what we've had in the past. And I think you uh, do wonder if Russell Martin's looking at this and
0: thinking, well, why didn't I have you know this level of backing because I would have been more successful. What's going on, Stu? I mean, I look across the championship and six or seven different clubs I think if you did this level of business 12 months ago you'd have walked into the playoffs it was such a poor division and nobody seemed to get their shit in order And now this summer everyone's going out making big eye-catching signings and we're one of those clubs of course but I'm looking at it thinking I'm not just the only fan here who's thinking if we'd done this 12 months ago some of these players came in 12 months ago it would have been a different story
1: oh 100% and it was interesting talking to Nigel Pearson uh, the week before last, and he was he agreed that it was a, a stronger championship than we've had for many years because of the calibre of teams that have come up and also the calibre of teams that have come down from the Premier League. But he, he was talking about genuinely believing that Bristol City could get to the playoffs, and he was highlighting Luton, their story last season, and how that's kind of given everyone hope. Um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully about Luton, but I don't think any of us would have thought they would have been uh in the playoffs let alone winning promotion so um yeah it, it feels like it it, do, it does feel like a, a, a really competitive division this year yeah there absolutely is frustration in terms of us because you think what do we miss out by 3 points in the end last season and yet we didn't sign anyone in January and we lost 2 or 3 so uh it'd be fascinating to see how it goes i watched little bits of the games uh the other games last week saw so southampton obviously on on friday being you know very dominant as we'd expect with um with uh, Russell Martin in charge, and then saw a little bit of Leicester on Sunday. I did look at Leicester and think, "Crikey, you've got a, you've got a bloody good squad there." Mm. Um, you know the, the the quality of players they have, and you know someone like Jewsbury Hall, I thought, was a really good player in the Premier League. Um, you know, single-handedly turning that game on its head um, the other day. So, yeah, for us, I think. I think it's it's you know, it's been really it's been really good. And as Steve rightly points out, that's the big thing about being proactive. If we harp back and we don't want to particularly but to the to where it all started going wrong in the Premier League, you know, we were waiting for people to go, weren't we? We think about cigarettes and stuff like that, and then we you know yeah. then we suddenly start doing signings we shouldn't do. And so now it kind of feels that um, you know, we might have already signed some people for people who could potentially go. But I do think it's absolutely key that we bring in a left wing back as soon as possible because I just feel that will give the team so much more balance and I think it will probably help the way that Duff wants to play as well I just felt there were times and I know we'll come on to Birmingham but on the weekend where Josh Key did really well on the left and he was super positive but he came inside an awful lot and I think if we could just have a a left wing back there who can let the ball go across their body sliding balls down the side for for Yakes to sort of run onto or Perot or Janelli, if it's him playing then I think that would be they'll just give the teams a say a lot more balance so it'd be great to get that signing over the line uh soon,
0: yeah definitely, and then you have to trust that considering the business we've done already and it's all gone very quietly under the radar one link we'll talk about shortly um uh Today, again, completely out of the blue. So, I mean, stuff like this, the club has really closed down, closed ranks on, on, because we used to get rumours if left, right and centre long before any bid seemed to go in. But now we're just not hearing about anything until it's pretty much done, which is really impressive from the club's perspective. But um, one of the ones we were talking about last week, which was perhaps a little less, um, (laughs) <laughs> easy for them to keep under wraps after some eagle-eyed fans spotted a corner of an arm in a training picture was uh, Harrison Ashby who uh, who came in um, eventually. We thought he might come in while we recorded in the last pod, didn't he? But he came in the day after um, from Newcastle on loan and um, that was to cover the other side, the right wing pack. We also already bought Josh in, but he'd shown in pre-season he could fill in at the left side. So, um, uh, we'll talk about the Birmingham game in a bit, but that's a really positive move from the club to bring in someone as highly rated as him for a year. Yeah,
2: I think so. Um, and as you say, it just it gives you that options then, doesn't it? We, we still, as we've said, we need that left back, but we now have we, we were able then to move an actual wing back, maybe slightly out of position to another wing back, as opposed to last season playing a centre back at wing back, which we know. Really isn't the way to go. So mm-hmm. it's better than that. We still do need to get a left wing back in, but look, once we've done that, and the fact is that I believe that we will, as opposed to last well, year thinking yeah. that we probably won't, and <laughs> that's what winds you up. So like now they've they sort of earned a bit uh, some trust back, I think, with the things that they've done. So yeah, and I think once we're in that situation, we have two right backs in, and we have two right wing backs, and the competition for places is key. I mean, we were discussing earlier, weren't we, about you know, the fact that if Perot was to go, we've got a lot of forward players now, for example. So, yeah, it just, it does feel like things are coming together a bit. And, you know, it's not like last year where if Perot would got injured, we were, were nothing in very big trouble, I would have said, in the second half of the season. Luckily for the owners, it didn't happen, um, but it could have. And you, you get the feeling now if we were to have, this would be one or two players if we got injured, it would be concerning. But in a lot of positions now, there is more cover. So... That's the important thing, isn't it? And You know, Ashby is highly rated. Um, you know, let, let's see how he gets on. But like I say, if he doesn't do well, Key is there as well. So they'll hopefully, having both of them there, will bring the best out of them. And they'll have to push each other to, to get in the team once a left back comes in.
0: Well, based on their cameos last night, I was thinking about this earlier, Steve. and based on their cameos last night, I was thinking, well, I wouldn't actually mind seeing um, Miko. Let's call him Miko for purposes of pronunciation sake, <laughs> and Janelli playing up front together with the obviously a massive frame of uh, of, of the Ukrainian striker, and then Janelli was clearly got bags of pace in him, and as we saw last night, a bit of a shot. Um, that big man, little man, kind of fast man running off the knockdowns, etc., etc. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but looking at the way the team is at the moment with Perot, Cullen and Yates they're actually probably fourth and fifth in line which speaks volumes to you if i'm thinking i wouldn't mind seeing them two starting and they're perhaps fourth and fifth in the pecking order at the moment of how our business has gone in terms of strengthening that squad
1: yeah and i think the nice thing with those players you've mentioned matt is it feels like they've got very different attributes yeah. Um, and I think in the past, sometimes we felt, you know, God, wouldn't it be great to bring someone on with a bit of pace now? We really lacked pace in the team all over the pitch last season. And that's certainly something that obviously Janelli brings. I like the thought of having a big guy as well up front or a big guy that you can bring on like Mika, who can just give you something different. I mean, I, I really enjoyed watching Ollie McBurney play in that first season we had back in the championship, where I thought he led the line superbly. He was a real threat in the air. And sometimes when you're under pressure and you needed an out ball, he was someone who could make an average ball into a good ball and i I you know that's obviously not joel perot's game it's not it's not cullen's game they have they have a a different skill set to that, so I think it's a really nice blend we've got there now. I think the thing with Miko at the minute is as I understand it he's had not much of a preseason at all where he's been before, so he's clearly playing catch up in uh they'll want to go so careful with him they you know he had his injuries last season on loan at hips and uh and and that was clearly a problem then so uh they'll they'll be treading really carefully i think with him and and hopefully by the end of the month he'll he'll be up to speed i'd imagine he's almost doing a pre-season through august really a month late and then obviously unfortunately uh josh janelle picked up a a calf injury didn't he i think early in pre-season but obviously as you point out you know his cameo last night is hugely encouraging and then in all of this Liam Cullen who could easily have been the forgotten man and he was someone who I thought might be marginalized this season um not through anything uh to do with how he did last season because he he obviously scored some important goals and had a good impact on the team but just naturally the number of attacking players I thought he'd struggle for game time but then he obviously uh comes on on the weekend and and uh you know helps to to sort of uh turn that game really in terms of his his brilliant delivery so yeah all of that is is really interesting and it will be intriguing to see what happens if Perot goes whether we do bring in another Ford or if um or if he thinks well no we're we're fine with what we got
0: it would be really interesting and he would probably point towards as Steve mentioned earlier about us being proactive rather than reactive and if we were to settle after potentially selling Perot that would tell us all really that we were doing our business with that in mind which as much disappointing as it will be, and gut-wrenching as it will be to lose Perot later on in the window, would point towards, Steve, a far more professional outfit here that we aren't waiting till deadline day to get a tasty bid for some someone, let him go, and then go, right, OK, let's do a deal for uh, Wilfrid Borneo and Andreu and the stuff we did in the past where you throw silly money at bad, well, at bad apples. Well, right? Really, we no? attempted it with Carl and Grant as well, didn't we? Don't forget. And yeah. Obviously, that...
2: I think through a little bit of luck, really, that, that didn't happen. So, yeah, it's just, you know, we'd you, be in a position when we have Perot went on the deadline now where you wouldn't really have to panic as much, I wouldn't have thought. And if nobody came in, am not saying you'd jump for joy, but you'd think, well, we're not in a disastrous position. You certainly wouldn't be thinking, right, we have to sign someone. Like you mentioned the bony one, for example, Lorente <laughs> went on deadline day, and then you're like, but we have to sign somebody, like otherwise we're going into a season with Tammy Abraham yeah. on his own first season at Premier League level. You're thinking, well, we got to do something. Ideally, we I certainly didn't want to buy Bodie. I may have gone with, along with a low move and thought, right, well, we'll we'll go down that route because it's a lot less risky. But we felt like we had to do something, and you're backed into a corner, aren't you? Whereas I don't feel like now we're we're as backed into a corner because we have been proactive. So mm. it just shows you the the difference that that makes, really, then, doesn't it? So.
0: It's, it's certainly the correct approach to make. You got um, Paul Watson in from Luton. Still, with with a, a good CV and uh, really well talked about in, in football circles, by the sounds of things. And uh, how much would you attribute to him and the mindset of the new investors that have come in? And we see, obviously, putting in a fair bit of money each there um, to, to help back the club in strengthening. Um, it does seem to be a different kind of way of working at the club now not something we've seen in a long time
1: yeah and I think obviously there was a a big hole to fill there you know someone had to um, take control of that situation you know before uh, Josh Marsh was obviously trying to do it um, to an extent but uh, how dispiriting must that be if you're identifying players as Swansea were in you know November December ready to go for January and then you know you've got a load of targets there lined up and then you can't sign any of them it's and obviously there was a hell of a lot of criticism rightly so for uh, the ownership group um on the back of that dreadful january window and it seems li- there's little point in bringing someone like paul watson in if you're not going to support him in his in his work i think it's uh, you know in fairness i don't think it's an easy market at all uh, as you identified earlier there's lots of championship clubs trying to strengthen realistically there's lots of clubs competing for the same players um so that that makes it hard obviously as well so yeah you know credit credit to the club for the business they've done so far um i guess we've always got to be careful with these things that we don't make judgments too quickly i think one of the biggest um problems in my industry at times in the media is trying to read a lot into a little and i'm always cautious about that you know it's It's like when you look at the players, how they perform on Saturday, some of them were seeing for the first time new signings in a competitive game. And, Mm. you know, I'd never want to be jumping, you know, shouting from the rooftops about someone equally, equally if someone had, you know, um, I thought Ashby was fairly quiet on on Saturday, but Mm. I would never dream of judging someone on, you know, 60 minutes of football or or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I think there's a nice feeling around the club at the minute, rightly so, because we have got players in. We have improved in a number of positions where we were clearly short. You know the full back areas. As Steve says now we've got two at right back. We just get someone in on the left. And uh, and in terms of attacking players, that was something that I found really frustrating last season. I thought we just had a total lack of options. So yes, well done to Paul Watson and and you know the club have um, the club have clearly. I think they realised. I think it, that had to be a watershed moment. January. You know I know. It was far from the first time it had happened. And we had heard before, you know, that there can't be a repeat of this. But had there been a repeat of this on the back of new investment, on the back of Paul Watson coming in, well, I think we'd have pretty much given up with the with it all then. Um, so, you know, yeah, good stuff so far. And hopefully we all still feel really upbeat when, you know, when the window closes.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. And let's get on to the start of the season, how the long-awaited, well... We we wanted this curtain raiser, Steve, because we were looking at it last week in the on the pod, don't we? And we were saying well, we've got a lot of new players, to blood, a new manager, a completely new style of play. We understand the the, the transition that we saw when Russell Martin took over from Steve Cooper to that. Well that never really fully clicked after two years. So we were gonna see some teething problems over time here with Michael Duff. We are to expect it. But he's not going from he's not choking cheese. He wants to by his own admission do a little bit in between. He doesn't want to go long ball, but at the same time, he wants to have the option to go a bit more direct if the option's there. So we were looking forward to this, but we also pointed out in last week's pod that um, Birmingham had a very strong window, arguably the strongest in the championship, and they had a lot of debutants play. And we talked about the both sets of players are gonna wanna impress their their fans, aren't they? And well, indeed, two debutants scored in a one-all draw.
2: Yeah, um, it, it certainly wasn't a classic, was it? Um, you know, I think both teams had their moments really, but it, it did feel as if we were a new team with, with new players and it was a little bit disjointed, if I'm honest. Some players maybe getting to know their new teammates and obviously adapting to being a little bit different, not trying to keep the ball as, as often maybe and playing a bit forward more often. So but I think overall, I'm quite pleased to have come away with something because I, I didn't think we were at our best. And obviously we were behind in the game. So, you know, um, I think you've got to be realistic when you're on the opening day. It's, it's very rare you see a complete performance on an opening day. I, I can't mm-hmm. think of many. Um, ironically, one of the best performances I've ever seen on the opening day was a game at Oldham where we
0: actually lost. Yeah, <laughs> we I want. remember Oldham fans said yeah. if we finish above Swansea this season, we'll yeah. be champions. In yeah, no all fairness. That. Well, 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 yeah, we did, we did go on to win the league, but yeah. at the same time, we
2: gave away two horrendous goals. Yeah. And yeah. one of them was a penalty in the first minute. So, yeah, I think you, you don't get these polished performances often on day one, especially under a new regime. Um, we've got to be patient. As Steven said, you can't, be judging people after an hour or 90 minutes or anything. It's just crazy. You've got to give people a a reasonable chance. So, you know, um, there's there's things to work on that were positives. We did score a nice goal. Jerry Yates off the mark, isn't he? Uh, Cullen had a really good impact, I thought, when he came on. Um, The Grimes pass for which put Cullen through the assist. Obviously, that was really good. So, you know, when Rushworth made some good saves, I know obviously he'll take a little bit of the blame for the goal that we conceded,
0: but I mean, you made a couple of saves, so instantly I'm thinking there's an upgrade. Oh, it's a monumental upgrade. I don't think there's any doubt in Steve. I mean, we talked last summer, uh, not last summer, sorry, last winter, and I remember you saying... I think you're on this pod, actually, where we said we may have to forego our bid for a striker because we obviously now are definitely going to put all our funds into getting a goalkeeper now, Bender's out injured, and it's really hampered our plans. And We bring in a player who's never played a senior game in his life, and that was it. And we were just looking at it now and going, right, okay, so apparently now we're going to go with Andy Fisher for the rest of the season. I looked at plenty of games between then and the summer and thought, do you know what? I'm not actually sure Andy Fisher wants to be playing because he was obviously playing with so little confidence. And now just looking at Rushworth, even just the way one of, one of my mates said, even just the way Rushworth carries himself out there already just looks like he feels I'm a very good goalkeeper. He ha- He holds himself differently. He feels like the defence and everyone around him knows this is a this is a boy with a bright future
1: yeah absolutely. Um he made really some really good saves, didn't he? You know saves that saves that kind of changed the course of a game, really. There was that late chance where you know it was hit, and I was right behind that shot, albeit at the other end. and um and I feared the worst as soon as it was hit. And you know he just got across his goal so quickly. and he'd made smart saves before that. I found it interesting looking at his reaction to the goal we conceded, which was obviously a well, that's becoming a classic Swans goal, irrespective of who's in charge of that. And I just I just was shaking my eyes at that end of the ground and just couldn't believe what I was seeing, really. But anyway, it was interesting watching him. He put a hand up straight away. He went to see Wood, um, who I think was regretting his what he did with the throw-in. Um, and he just kind of took charge of that situation. Uh, there was no sense at all that he was sulking or feeling sorry for himself, or it was going to affect how he approached the rest of the game. And... I just i looked at all of that and thought that says a lot for you you know it's your it's your first game for swansea um you know you're you're playing at a level higher than where you've been before on loan and you've made a mistake and you're not letting it affect you so all of that was really really positive i, I you know i look at him and think he could be he could be a really really important signing for us we have to bring someone in in that in that position um, and then, in you know, in terms of Steve, I agree with Steve. I, I think it's always interesting that when you, dare I say it, you look on social media after a game and you see some people put their player ratings on there and, um, you know, other people put a sort of general comment on the game and you're thinking, am I have the same game as you? Um, I think think sometimes people see what they want to see and maybe they want to believe it's unbelievable when it's not because they're annoyed that Russell Martin left and things like that. I thought it was okay Saturday and and I'm not being critical there. Nobody should expect all of this to fall in place quickly. There's a I think there's a big change in the style. And I thought at times on Saturday we were caught between the two, which is absolutely to be expected. You know, it's um, there's a transition. It's going to take time. So I wouldn't, like I said about individuals, I wouldn't dream of judging how uh, how we play under Duff for you know at least a dozen a dozen games and giving him time to build the team. I thought at times at the back I wasn't sure about the three. I certainly don't think Cabango should be in the middle of the three. I like Ben Cabango, but I don't think he's a player who you want on the ball more than your other two centre backs. And I felt at no. times he looked awkward on Sunday in that role. I even felt on the goal. I was, you know, dead in line with that. And I was, as it was played into him, I was thinking, move, Ben, move, move towards the ball. Um, and I know that it was interesting that Duff came out afterwards and said, we don't want Rushworth, you know, giving Cabango the ball there. Whereas I guess that's a big difference. Russell Martin probably would have said still play there. Um, so I think that needs to change. And I'd be interested to see going forward when, when we... A few of us went over for the day that Michael Duff was uh, presented to the media, uh, and he was asked about his formations, and he said he used a lot of different formations last season at Barnsley, and he wasn't wedded to one. And interestingly, he said, "I started the season with wing back, wing backs. He said that was the way I wanted to play. I'd used it during pre-season. He said it really didn't go well, and I decided there and then I'm going to change, um, uh, change the system. Now, I'm, you know, there's no reason to do that after Saturday. It, it clearly wasn't, uh, it clearly wasn't bad, but." I'm intrigued going forward what that might look like. I just thought there were a lot of passes between Wood and Cabango and I was thinking, where are we going with this kind of thing? Um, I thought Key was uh, excellent on the left. He was full of positivity. It looked awkward at times. There several times when he was playing that blind ball round the corner because he wanted to use his right. Yeah. But I, I want to say this. I feel... When Sorinola played that role last season, he would constantly turn back and play back to the centre back. And it used to drive me mad. We'd never get up the pitch. It was really, really frustrating. Whereas I felt Key on the weekend, even though it's not his natural side, he was prepared to be really positive to run Um, the, the Birmingham defender he was up against and get us up the pitch and, and and you know cause problems now and again even if it only ended up winning a throw in or sometimes forcing a corner it just felt so much more positive to see that so I like the energy that he brings to the team and I like his um, I like his positivity but I think the rest of it yeah is is going to take is going to take time I was interested in Birmingham I, I was a bit happily disappointed in Birmingham I expected a bit more from them yeah. I, I didn't some people were saying they pressed I didn't think they really did press that much at times I felt like I said earlier, Wood and Cabango had a lot of possession between them without really a threat on the ball. And they were almost saying, go on then, find a pass. And we didn't quite know how to play through them. Um, So, yeah, you know, it it probably looked like what it was, which is two teams with quite a few new players who were trying to find their way. Um, But I was really, really relieved we got a point, Matt. I'd have been I just think it you know it would have taken sucked a bit of the positivity out of the place if we'd have walked out of that stadium on Saturday having lost one nil at home and not just one nil at home but one nil to a really really bad goal um, so I felt that that equalizer was significant, and the fact that Yates got it was really good too you
0: know you both mentioned sorry, Steve just quickly you both mentioned about how the performance wasn't there, and I do entirely agree with you, but it is quite refreshing in a sense of especially the last two years, how we had to be at our scintillating best to win games and we did see that over the two-year period really with Russell Martin you had to be we concede the simplest of goals and then we'd score a 30 pass move and you'd think this is the brilliance and this is the idiocy of the way we're playing at the moment and we would have to work so hard for a goal and to see a score what turns out to be quite a simple goal I mean Grimes to be fair to him is is a fantastic pass through to Cullen takes a touch picks out Yates in the middle bang and all of a sudden out of nowhere really because we weren't really under any great control of the game at that point uh we've got the equalize, and it was nice to see us score a goal steve without us necessarily being in a dominant position at that point like you say yeah it was i wasn't
2: confident at that point we were going to get anything so you know in a case of quite just a few seconds and two passes essentially we've ended up with a chance and it's resulted in a goal so it, it does show you sometimes how you know i'm all for you know trying to keep the ball and dominate but we've spoken about it before, I mean, just the opportunity of if you spot somebody in just try and play the more risky pass and by doing that, that put Cullen in and he spotted Yates perfect ball and then you know if you've got a striker that's uh, a good finisher then chances like that more often than not are going to result in a goal so you know and it was a, a great goal really so yeah I think that was, it was encouraging that we, we got something in those circumstances I think because as I said I I really didn't think a goal was coming. But that did turn the game. And we had some momentum then, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, what was frustrating was there was a little stoppage. And I think I said to you at the time, didn't I? This could halt our momentum here. And I think it really did, didn't it? So um, that was a bit annoying. Um, Stu, I was going to ask you one question, actually. Yeah. You know, obviously, we were close to getting John Eustace as manager, weren't we, a couple of yeah. years back? And also, we've played Birmingham a couple of times since he's been in there. I mean, I've got to be honest, I think we may have dodged the bullet because... They haven't really impressed me in any game that we've played them. I don't know if you think the same.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting that because I remember speaking to people on about Eustace when he was about to come in and um absolutely raving about the way, and I know it was Kidderminster, but his his Kidderminster team were playing and you know, they were seen as I think the, the titled the Barcelona non league kind of thing and he was seen as kind of the brains behind QPR. I think he was there with Warburton, wasn't he? And he was a you know had a reputation as a really really good coach who wanted to play. Um I guess a couple of things come into my head and, and and I agree with what you said Steve. I think you know sometimes there's you know we we might call it the Swansea way. I think at Birmingham they want to see a certain style as well of football and as, and a, and I think it's a really um it's a working class club, but a working class club that prides itself on people being all in on the pitch, and I think if he tried to play open, expansive football there, I'm not making excuses for him. I just don't know how well received that would be unless they were having real success with it. I'd be interested what he'd do with a very different squad of players. And then now some people would say, like you know, wherever Russell Martin goes, he's playing that way, isn't he? You know, he's not gonna yeah, he's not gonna change his, his style. That is him, come what may. Um, And some people would say, well, you know, if if he's like that, what, you know, does he really have a clear philosophy as a manager? But I think there's another school of thought thought that you, you know, you have a, you set your team up to play according to the personnel that you've got. And, you know, in the past, I have felt that's the case. I think the difference with Birmingham now is they've clearly got some back in. There's been changes behind the scenes. He's been able to bring in a lot of players, some good players, too. So. I I said earlier, I was happily disappointed with Birmingham on Saturday. I expected more from them. You know, I thought lots of people have been saying, oh, they could be a bit of a dark horse. And who knows, they might still be. It's only one game. But yeah, I know what you're saying, Steve. You wouldn't, on the times we've seen Birmingham, you wouldn't look at them and think, oh, well, that's a manager that, you know, would fit perfectly at Swansea. Um, But I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to totally judge him on that because I, I think if he um if he came to us well, or had come at the time he was gonna come in when Russell Martin obviously ended up taking it, I do think he would have played a very different way to what we've seen at Birmingham.
0: Hmm. I just want to touch on what you said there about managers playing the, the personnel they've got and it's interesting you um we were talking about Eustace there, but I would attribute that as well to to Michael Duff. And you mentioned how we spoke about his Barnsley side how he swapped from wings back wing backs and um and we spoke earlier on this pod how we've got Five different profiles of attacker on the uh, that can play on the pitch. Now, very different players. All of them um, give you different things. Um, and even how Michael Duff spoken about the game and 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 the game in general. I mean, in terms of I want to play football, but also I want to get it forward. I want to make sure the opposition don't get time to breathe. I want to take throw-ins within four or five seconds. I mean, we could see a. a, a, a a real mix here, still couldn't we, of, of formations, of players. Or it could be a horses for courses deal where he looks at a certain team we're playing against and says, "Actually, I fancy we're going to go with a big man up here today because I think we'll be benefiting from getting crosses in the box." Yeah, absolutely. And
1: I think again, contrasting with last season, Matt, it, we it felt. That we were so restricted in how we could play. We had no attacking width at all last season, did we? You know, it was the only thing I think Russell changed to at one point was going to a midfield diamond, which worked quite mm. well for a little period. Um but yeah, it's it, he's got he's definitely got options um in terms of how he wants to set the team up and, and that's you know, that's only a good thing. And you know, like you guys have said, that that Grimes goal, the He's more than capable of playing that pass. That's not a one-off. We've seen enough of him to know he has got that ball in him to change the tempo suddenly and catch the opposition out. And yeah, it's brilliant to see that, isn't it? We all love seeing passing football, but someone suddenly playing a ball that takes out six, seven, eight Birmingham players and you're scampering clear. Um, you know that 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 quicker football, quicker attacking football will be you know really really refreshing to watch. And yeah, I'm I'm, in, I'm intrigued about the the possibilities I think at the minute obviously the difficulty is where he is restricted is you can probably more get away with playing a right-sided player um at left wing back I think than you probably can playing at left back uh which which would be more probab- problematic so I think when he eventually brings someone in on that side that will open up more possibilities about potentially playing with a with a back four or a or a 3 or a 5 however you want to describe it but yeah you know all those things you said, picking the ball up quickly, we want to see that, then we? we want to see some urgency and uh it was really frustrating, as you highlighted when we went one one and the crowd was right behind the team. We were playing at a quicker tempo, and I thought we're going to win this two one, mm-hmm. and then someone went down injured. I don't know whether it was when darling absolutely filled his boots, which um <laughs> which was uh the oh, ball it, <laughs> which being honest was quite refreshing to see um. And then they made three, four changes and it just, as um, it, you two identified, took away that that real flow we had and rhythm we had to our game at that point. But um, yeah, hey, there's always a place for a Harry Darling challenge isn't there, in football like that. It's good to see sometimes.
0: You owed that because how would they want a free kick after 60 seconds of booting him in the head? I have no idea. And I just thought we're in for a, a lovely day with this ref. Oh Matt, I got, got a red for us if that happens in the Matt, I, got, I got to tell you about that, right? So I've turned
1: up with with my lad Zach, and um, I said, Zach, I said, Do you know what, this season, I said, I'm going to be calmer. I said, I'm not going. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I, I said, I'm that's not. Gonna, no, nonsense. Yeah. I said, nonsense. I'm not going to get irate about things. I said, I'm not going to get wound up, get caught up in the emotion of the game. I reckon they had four free kicks inside the first two minutes. Um, Pato was booked after about three minutes, was not yeah. he? Yeah. Anyway, on the fourth fourth one i was up on my feet in the stand and in an area really where people don't you know get up on their feet that much unless there's a goal or something and zach just turned his head and looked at me and he said that lasted two minutes dad and i thought damn it <laughs> one of the
0: Terrible. guys um was in the same area same guys come back last I hadn't actually spoken to him uh since getting to my seat just before kickoff and then spoken to him happy new season etc and they come literally after that darling challenge, uh where he where he got given a free kick to them, he turned around and said, uh, Happy New Season to you. And I and I thought, oh, I just literally picked up where I've left off still. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. on in. And I thought, I'm gonna have a different year. I'm not gonna get so angry. I'm gonna look at it more with a neutral eye and not be so one-eyed about it. And after, well, all of all of one minute I turned around and called the ref also. Well, in it's, no
2: fairness you take a boot in the head. So you think well it was a little bit ridiculous. And in yeah. fact, the ref just didn't react to it, actually give it against us. we just thinking, what's going on here then? What's your name? Mike Dean. It's <sighs> funny what this game does to us, isn't it? Because
1: to be fair, guys, I couldn't see where the equaliser was coming. I just couldn't see us getting a goal you know it was a goal quite out the blue wasn't it you know and and I was sitting there and I and I'd become more sort of frustrated with it or no you start thinking why do I put myself through this kind of thing and then you know a few minutes later there's that lovely move that beautiful feeling of when actually you can see you're going to score before you do score and um and you know you're jumping around like a lunatic and lost in the moment and then you think yeah that's why I do it um so there we go
0: it's so it's football, and it is is one of those things you put yourself through, and you think every week I don't know why I keep doing this, but every week you're going to be there, <laughs> yeah. and you, you look forward to it from Monday morning. It's the only thing you, you know. You look forward yeah. to the next weekend, and then it's it. a drug you can't give up. Yeah, it, is. it, is, it is. But talk talking of drugs you can't give up because we both went down on uh, on the midweek game, Steve as well, didn't we? Um, yeah. against Northampton, and we wanted to uh, to see how well maybe if Michael Duff had, Taking some notes from the Saturday game, the positives and negatives, and see how we do against lower league opposition. Um, Northampton came to town, and um, well, to be honest with you, barring small spells where Northampton had periods of the ball, it was it was a dominant display, wasn't it? It was a thoroughly professional display on all aspects of that game. I was thinking, wow, there's six or seven players here I could pick out for individual praise. It really was. Um, a good performance.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, but I think Northampton in the, the first half weren't weren't too bad. They had no. a, a couple of moments. I think they just tired really, then didn't they? And then in the second half, it really was men against boys. But I mean, as you say, we scored some nice goals. Um, one in particular, which we will discuss. Um, but it was just some nice moves, some some good play, I think. And it was interesting to see him pick a really strong team, wasn't it? I think yeah, that, that was the first thing really for me because you never really know. Each manager is different in terms of how seriously they take the cups but um i've got to be honest the cup run suits me i think this is a difficult league this year so if we were to take both cups seriously you can bring a few quid in can't it and you know it can be a little bit of excitement and the impression i get is that he is going to take it seriously purely because you know he ended the you only changed half the team didn't he and the, the ones he changed arguably i mean perot started so the grimes didn't change the goalkeeper and it was quite surprising but also refreshing wasn't it but um as you say, we, we dominated and we could have scored more.
0: Really, could we? Oh, it could have been twice as many easily. But I, so I was talk about from from your perspective on this and how you see it um, as a as a football man in in terms of how managers address it because i agree with steve i was refreshed and surprised to see how strong we were i was thinking also look at the other aspects of it michael Duff's coming here of course he's gonna have people who goes oh you know you're gonna have the doubters you've got that russell martin fan club which just won't be shaken off at the moment but it hopefully will over time and and you've got also a man who wants to slightly change the way you want to play very important for him as well to get his first win under the belt and try and get that kind of belief that his way is going to reap rewards
1: absolutely and someone said that to me today when i obviously i wasn't at the game last night but when i asked a little bit about it and they said that he wants to get that winning mentality um in among the players really really quickly uh i I was really pleased that we went strong last night i think it's i think that's important i think it's, it's nice to have a cut run i've you know really been really frustrated the last couple of years when we've um gone out with a bit of a whimper you know we've had some, some poor results and even when there were opportunities sometimes recall southampton fa cup game when they were down to 10 men and we mm-hmm. we threw that away i mean bristol city knock us out of the fa cup last season and you know you, you you inevitably watch um you know the the later rounds of the fa cup or even like the you know four fifth round quarter final or, or league cup and you see clubs at our level in the spotlight playing Premier League opposition. Um, having a good game under the lights. you know, I want all of that back. One of the highlights, apart from the bloody result of the last five years, was that Man City game. You know, what an what amazing occasion that was until Andre Mariner intervened. But, um, you know, I, I'm really pleased that we did what we did and um, I, I, the draw will be made, uh, obviously. I don't know when the podcast is going out, so I'll probably screw up the timings by saying this. But the draw's it, in a
2: few minutes, isn't it? In a few minutes, yeah. So, might be, we might have the draw before we start recording, that.
1: Well, <laughs> there we go. Um, but you know, I I love to think we could have a, a bit of a run in it. And um, yeah, I was, as I say, you know, really really pleased that he picked a strong eleven, and it worked out perfectly, didn't it? Some of the players we talked about were excited about new signings, came off the bench, got some time. One of them scores a terrific goal. I guess it was a perfect evening in that respect.
0: Well it was. And I think from from Duff's point of view, I'm sure he'll think the same, uh, Steve Wonnie, in terms of because the risk when you play a strong team in a cup game early rounds is you don't want to pick up unnecessary injuries or that any any sense of tiredness that you the cost you, but it, there was no sense of our players I mean Perot was playing like like he was playing amongst school kids and he was a senior pro. It was just ridiculous watching him just dominate the ball, uh, would drop in deep for it and just holding people off like, well, it was almost at one point, he looked like Wilfred Boney in his prime. He was just effortlessly holding people off and then sliding it left and right and bringing others into game. It was a side to pro, which I had not seen before. He really came um, into that with a lot of confidence and swagger. And um, Nathan Wood, Steve, he made some eye-catching runs from defense, running through like as he often does. Isn't yeah, him? he's very much kind of confident. You're talking about not having Cabango in the center of the three. Still, Nathan Wood looked very capable on the ball and bringing the ball out and comfortable taking two or three players on as well. He had the he had the confidence and swagger to do that. We did have one hairy moment with Rushworth. He did another. Yeah, we shot a, a carbon copy, couldn't we? Have, yeah, almost identical.
2: When you think way I, I said at that point because the first goal was sort of similar to. The, the goal against Birmingham and then we nearly conceded a similar goal as well didn't we but we got away with it this time luckily
0: yeah the, he, he did and he, again he held his hand up it, this one was purely on him it was a really underhit pass to uh to me been wood it might have been um at the back or oh, darling but he really um well he picked out for me he picked out Cullen for the first goal uh, all the 60 yards away um it was a it was a measured pass picks him out in a bit of space and then since Cooper down the line crosses for Perot and uh fantastic with Gold, and and perhaps a sort of sign steve that's the sort of ball that duff is going to want to see us play picked up picked out long ball out or that direct pass out to cut out four or five of their players who are busy retreating hit them quick hit them before they can reset how many times do we say last season it's all pretty by the time we get to 25 30 yards out they've got eight men behind the ball we've got to do it all again so it's nice to see us go quick get in behind quick and really pressure um the second goal came from good work down the right again and trying to get in behind and Perot bundles it in uh, for his second of the evening and um, well we just uh, kind of I mean everyone I know the game wasn't televised wasn't able to get a, a stream online but I think everyone who's listened to this pod has seen Josh Canelli's goal uh, he might already have scored I'm really surprised if he hasn't scored still the goal of the season already at the start of August
1: Oh, it was a wonderful strike, and I don't feel we've seen enough. People might correct me, but I feel like we don't see enough long-range goals from the from the Swans. Um, dare I mention Olivier Cham now? But um, he 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 had that capability. It reminded me of a goal actually that I think Bursant selina scored in a cup yeah. game. Ipswich, was he score one like that against Ipswich? Or was no. that no, no, that was, oh, that, was uh, the, that, that was the breakaway break cool goal. Yes, no, sorry, it was one he scored in a... It wasn't Northampton the opponents, was it? I'm trying to think who we played in the FA Cup under um, Potter. That must have been.
2: Manchester. I was thinking
1: of you. No, no, no. Oh, was, was it one against Brentford or Gillingham or something? Gillingham, that's it, Steve. Gillingham, I'm sure it was yeah, Gillingham. I remember us yeah. giving him a hiding. Yeah, he did score a screamer. You're right. It's Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, but um, ah, a wonderful goal. Um, just absolutely flew off his boot. But then the bit before, it was great to see. when it, We really lack someone who can take someone on and beat someone. Mm. You know, can go past someone, either with a bit of pace or a little bit of trickery. That's where it felt last season with the personnel we had. We were always playing in front of teams and it had to be that perfect goal, you know, with three, four... You know, fantastic passes and great movement, which is which is which is great to see obviously. But you want to have an alternative. You wanna know that oh Josh Key might go past his full back here. You know, that uh that we can create a little bit of something with um yeah, it, with with other means. So yeah, no, really, really, really positive all round last night. Hopefully, obviously we can you know, it's a completely different opponent, but we can carry that into into Saturday. The players must have a bit of confidence.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean Josh Key. Then, I think um, he he'd obviously made way for uh, Abdullah last night, um, who played on the on the left hand side. But um, again, he put in a solid performance. He could have and should have scored really, but again, could have scored seven last night. And I don't think anyone would have um, really said that was unfair because it was a, just a dominant performance. But um, thinking back to Key, I mean, he was up against Ethan Led on, on Saturday playing and he was on the wrong side and he won our man of the match, didn't he, Josh Key? So it, it is yeah. a testament, as you mentioned earlier, about how, how hard working he was on that side to get around and challenge his man. He had a, he had a hard task. So um, it's nice to see, Stu, if and when we do bring uh, that left wing back in, which is clearly a, a number one target for us, that we've got someone as versatile as Key who can clearly function either side. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think it wouldn't it be nice to get
1: someone in with similar attributes on the left as well. Uh, you know, I felt that held us back. You know, we keep harping back to last season, but it's a it's a, a valid comparison, especially when we played with wing backs a lot last season. But we just really, as Steve said, we end up playing, you know, centre halves there or Soronolu was obviously a real a real disappointment and it just felt so negative at times. You know, we really were crying out for players who I think in that position are almost first Well, they are first and foremost. I think they're attacking, not defending. And last season it felt as if that was flipped on its head. So yeah, Josh Key, even in the Bristol Rovers game, which I didn't think we played very well in um, and uh, um, and it was disappointing. I looked at him that night and thought, well, like, you know, you've got a bit of pace. You've got a bit of urgency in your game you want to make things happen yeah. your first thought seems to be can i go forward not can i can i keep the ball and be safe um so yeah all of that's um really encouraging with him i get the feeling that he's going to be a you know a really popular player at the club obviously when conor roberts was here he you know for other reasons as well given his, his his affinity with the club being there a long time and from the area all the rest but connor played with that passion didn't he and that desire to make things happen um hey on that note by the way on the Connor roberts mm-hmm. i didn't know we, harry darlin was suddenly taking long throws on the weekend and that turned around to me well yeah, i saw one too <laughs> I, was, I, was <laughs> he said, I, I didn't know he could throw a, i didn't know he could throw a ball that far and i was thinking <laughs> i've never seen harry darlin take a throw and suddenly he's launching it into the penalty box when he
0: would say under russell martin it's definitely not going to be a russell yeah. martin tactic <laughs> <it's not> necessarily. <laughs> no.
1: joint force. Uh, i guess not but it, it was just um you know hey especially if um you know, the, the Mikos out there, the Ukrainian strikers. Yeah. I don't know, so mix it up sometimes. I even remember with with um, Connor and st- uh, Steve Cooper when he was launching the long throws, and, um, and uh, you know, it'd been. It we sort-
2: of didn't we? I remember on Sky. Yeah, exactly. went in, and I think Cabango headed it straight in. It was brilliant.
1: That's it, Steve. And, uh, you know, it's the sort of thing that you know being a bit of a purist I'd have really frowned on with other clubs for a long time and sort
2: of thought oh god look at that the, the um, truth is is that, I think why it's so effective is because you can't really practice defending it in training can you no, unless no, you've got so. someone yourself who can launch one in there I mean look at Wales yeah, right, obviously did it against yeah, Croatia yeah, Wales did it against yeah. Croatia didn't they yeah. Didn't play great, and look, everyone knows my thoughts on Robert Page. But a ball has gone in, someone's flicked it on, and then Broad ends exactly. Nick one in at the far post, and we've stolen an a point. I mean, they can be very effective. I, I, think what I would say is I wouldn't want that to be our default, our main aim of the game. But no,
0: well, that well, was the difference with Steve Cooper, wasn't yeah, it? It got I to think. the point where you thought, actually, we're we're playing for this now. We're trying to get into these positions where we can just launch a hopeful one and i don't yeah. feel or like that yeah i don't feel like that's going to be it yeah. it's an added bonus isn't it as opposed to like um, a main tactic i would say
1: yeah it's just nice to mix it up at times isn't it you know you don't have to do everything short and certainly not everything long but it was just yeah we we just had a little smart to ourselves Thought, so, wow didn't know we could do that
0: yeah it's very interesting i mean I, I guess we'll see what these players can do now. As, as you say, it was one one way, very much one way. And we, we spoke oh, it must have been about eighteen months ago now. When we played Barnsley away in Russell Martin's first season and we won two nil late late two late goals. Um yeah. we'd had about eighty nine percent possession, about seventeen thousand passes, passes or something ridiculous, didn't we? But everyone looked back on that as this is perfect. All these goals, all these passes, this possession. These got they've won the game cleanly. And I thought, well, no, not. until we made those. I think both subs we. Were, I know Cham was one. I can't remember what the other was. But both yeah. players came on, made uh, the goals. Yeah, and we, we didn't did create. was the other one? We didn't create much to be. That was the issue. And it was like, oh, it looks good on paper, but a lot of things sometimes do. I find. Can look one way statistically on paper, as opposed to what you're seeing in with your own eyes, isn't it? And sometimes yeah. you're watching a football match thinking, yeah, that's great. We've played that safe pass, and that's another seven eight passes on the on the chokeboard, and he's now got a ninety eight percent pass success rate. But yeah. he's not gonna try that pass Matt Grimes, that he did on Saturday. Yeah, it's interesting, like you say about the stats. I looked
1: at them for the Birmingham game after the match, as I often will, and while we had uh, markedly more possession than them. I think it was fifty nine percent, which I don't think will be our default set in that. I think that was almost as I said earlier, Birmingham sitting back quite a bit. um You know, the only times they, they there was obviously little little triggers where they pressed and and Woods, unfortunately, Woods throwing back to Rushworth was one of yeah. them. But generally, I didn't think they were really getting about us. Um, but I looked at the other stats and you know shots on target shots off target that kind of thing was all really really even and and i did feel it was a you know it was a fair outcome on saturday um i don't think you know birmingham had some good opportunities didn't they and we had a header off the bar. There was an almighty scramble that somehow didn't go in. So I don't think we could have uh,
0: a... Disallowed goal you know. as well, which looks yeah, like it's one side in the end, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was slow to recognise that. I always think, well, look at people who are still celebrating. I think you, buffoons. How have you not seen the flag? But I was... And you sweating. were one of those ones. So I was, was one of those buffoons. Yeah. but yeah, I saw I it straight away. <laughs> well, it's right in front of you, boy, isn't it? That flag. Is that <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, yeah so... We've all had them. I remember on the final day of the season when we needed a goal to get in the playoffs and Trundle bundled oh, it in in the last minute. Yeah. it's gone absolutely bonkers and then someone's pointed out to be the fair fact that was the other stadiums. end of the stadium oh, I was <laughs> the other end but still I, I was just like oh, I don't believe this like the king has yeah, scored was, the last um, minute
0: goal I was on all day for the playoff final that year. I was the only person in the stadium secretly celebrating Trundle's oh, goal I remember. <laughs> it I remember was under that. Sousa to be fair I don't think playoffs would have been ready for us anyway would it yeah
2: so the context is went it about march time um, we were about 10 points inside the playoffs and 10 points off the top two. So get the most
0: entrenched team in the playoffs yeah. in the
2: history of the yeah. league. So we've gone for a few points on a Friday. He's gone, I've just booked it all day. And I, I, He's given the date and he have gone, you do realise that that is over the playoff final. The look on his face was just priceless.
0: And there was yeah. no way, there was no way we were going to go up automatically or drop out of the playoffs at this stage. We need an almighty collapse. And I, As it happens, we had I that collapse. we had two wins,
2: wins in the last 10 or something and we, we <laughs> slipped out right at the end, didn't we? Well, there's
1: another sliding doors moment, right? If it, you know, if all that doesn't unravel 100%. in the way it does, maybe Brendan Rodgers do not come in in the next, you know, yeah. seven years in the Premier League and promotion before that doesn't happen. So, um, yeah, all these things,
2: yeah, yeah. For some reason, things just worked out in that era. Like, um, you know, you'd be gutted about something, but then something better would come along and you'd, you'd do it, and then you'd like stabilize again. It's just, uh, yeah. it's a bit ridiculous, really. But, um. Yeah, I do remember that quite well. You, uh, you were a bit concerned, weren't you?
0: Yeah, of of, of the 15,000 or so in the final day, that was the only Swans fan leaving with a wry smile on my face, to be honest. I think we drew 0-0, <laughs> didn't we, in the end? Yeah, we, we needed well, the which is very big. fitting under the because well, there were a lot of nil nils. Yeah, Trundle was the, the best goals to game ratio in the league by some distance and only got on the pitch about seven times if i recall because Sousa preferred players who didn't score goals (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it was um that was really random ones but yeah i think in looking back to uh you you saying there about stats not always playing out the way you see them and, and and the way the football goes um I mean, you'd, you'd be happy to give up a percentage mark or two of um, of possession there, wouldn't you, to see us be a little bit more cutthroat when we get the ball?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, was, I, I some people are very critical of Russell Martin. I had a lot of time for him. Don't get me wrong, I had my frustrations last season as well. You know, I and Steve knows that. There were times when I thought we needed to pass forward quicker and it was too slow. But I had a lot of time for Russell Martin. I thought he was a good coach and a good manager um, uh, and, and a good guy. But... Um, there was nothing more infuriating than after a game, kind of looking at the stats sometimes and seeing the amount of possession we had, which we knew with our own eyes, and then, you know, seeing the scoreline or even sometimes seeing the opposition having more attempts on more shots, you know, and you just looked at that and yeah. thought, that that can't be right, you know, you can't have that much control of the ball and then still be so vulnerable. And I do, you know, I do think, um, Russell, if he'd have had some support in January, that could have looked... Uh, that could have looked different. We didn't have the attacking players. But coming back to your point, Matt, absolutely, it's not... You know, I want to see good football. I, I, I that that is a given, but it doesn't have to be 70, 80% possession. I want to see goals scored. I want yeah. to see I want to see things getting me off my seat. You know, and and that's what we're there for, isn't it? You know, without getting too deep about it. All well, footballs a it's a form of escape, isn't it, for us all as well? We go along on a Saturday. You're giving up your time because you love the club, but also, you know, you want to have you want to have a bit of fun. You want to enjoy it. You know, and there's no better feeling than watching players or or a, a way of playing that gives you that excitement so um yeah I, i'm I'm just glad we've got in some players already who who feel like they could make a difference in the attacking in the attacking third because you know last season sometimes you'd look at the bench and think where are we going with that and whereas now you think you know i still think liam walsh has had a, n- a nightmare at swansea there's no yeah. two ways about it he's hardly played any football but People at the club last summer, before he got his injury, were saying, you know, he's looked superb. Um, he's a really good technical player, Liam Walsh. And, you know, you think you've got him to come back into it if we could get Joey Allen fit again as well. Um, and, you know, you talks about who came off the bench last night. It does feel like we might have a bit of depth to the squad as well, um, which is going to be obviously so important, as we all know, in the championship. So, yeah, definitely at the minute, Matt, you know,
0: glass half full. I mean I mean looking at it I mean I'm almost going to get you know I don't think Steve, this season I'm not going to make any predictions of a starting 11 because there is so many options I mean, I'm almost getting as excited to see the bench as I am the starting 11 now because you often look at a team and go well that's great but if we're chasing the game what can we bring on and you're looking at it now and you and you've got quality on the bench like we I've not recognized since well, since the early years in the Premier League, really, where you had that depth in the squad, uh, looks like, and it's not unconfirmed, it's still very much rumour stations at the moment. But we could be getting Charlie Patner in on loan, Steve. And that, again, is another bold, progressive attack in uh, signing for the Swans if he comes in. And uh, a signal of intent uh, after we found out that disappointing news that um, Olivier and Cham decided he wasn't going to play on Saturday by letting Duff know on Friday night
2: yeah exactly i mean i think i don't think anyone was too shocked that and chan was capable of, of doing that i mean look I, I don't think he's the best character to have around I think the frustrating thing is that he is a man of immense ability but there's a reason why he's been a swansea and it's because his application hasn't been good enough so i think all in all if he didn't want to play the best thing to do was to get rid of him i don't know if he's officially gone yet is he Well, they've pictured him signing. Yeah, they they have. The the club haven't announced it. I mean, are we waiting on, is there some sort of international clearance to go through? It's going to happen, obviously, isn't it? But it does seem a little bit odd in that sense. But look, he will be a loss for the games where he does actually do something, but he's not Mr. Consistent. So, yeah, I think Charlie Petito is quite an exciting one. He was at Blackpool last year. He had moments where he did well. Um, Still a young player, isn't he? Learning the game, obviously, that needs to gain experience. But um. Yeah, I think that's quite an exciting one. I think there'd be, there would be there have been other clubs in this division interested in him. So, we've done well to have uh, pulled that one off. And, um, yeah, again, it's just given us that, that extra little bit of depth, really, isn't it, in that competition for places. and it's fierce. Yeah, but, I mean, you would have thought that he would
0: play. Um, you know, he would be first choice. Maybe not Saturday, but in general, I think he will be in the team. When you're looking at that midfield. I mean, as it stands, you know, like Grimes, Fulton, Cooper... Pato played because I think he's probably the fall guy here at the moment because he didn't do much on Saturday, yeah. uh, you know. And look at the players; he came on again last night. Well, it's, do it's do another player night. you can't really trust. That's the truth, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know how many good games has he had in the last? Not, year, not, since he's, not since that first four or five months that he joined,
2: didn't well, it? Really? It, exactly. That's the problem, isn't it? So. You know, I think a lot of fans probably don't aren't
0: hugely fussed at him and I'm probably one of them. I had that same opinion actually last night when I was looking at their team and thinking, I wonder how good we're being and how poor Northampton are as being a league below us. And I looked at whether I was over-assessing some players' performances, but then I watched Pato and I thought, no, no, Cooper has been that good and Cullen has been that good because Pato was standing out as being nowhere near as effective as either of those um but, Stu, what a lovely luxury to have, to have these options that we can you know, on the bench. There's going to be players on there who think they should be in the starting eleven and have a point to prove every time they come off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Ollie Cooper's an interesting one, isn't he? He had a, he had a great impact last season. He obviously scored that superb goal against uh, Cardiff. Um, and he was playing really well for a period, deservedly got that contract. And then he just fell away a little bit, I felt, which I think is totally normal to happen with a young player. And let's be honest, the Swans fell away as well. So, um none of that makes things easy but I just uh, from what I heard last night it sounded like he was really really good and I wonder if he sort of saw Patterson coming in the team on Saturday and Cham leaving the club and thought mm, there's an opportunity for me here. Um so I thought that was really really encouraging. I've all I, when, when he's on his game I really enjoy watching him. I think he's a player who makes things happen. He makes positive runs. Um and uh yeah so so that's really really good. I think the midfield area it's very interesting and you know just reading up a bit on i, I didn't i've seen little clips of charlie um Pacino and I, d- I didn't really know loads about him and it's interesting looking at i just reading an article that was done in the app i knew we'd have done something on his loan period there and and it says uh, at the turn of the year, his 27 interceptions were the most by any English teenager in Europe this season. So that's obviously last season it's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he played number six and number eight. I had in my mind him being a bit more attacking than that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's he's clearly going to offer another, uh, another option in that area. And, um, you know, he's, he talks about his pressing, which is obviously a big thing in terms of how Duff plays. If I'd say one area at the minute, guys, other than the obvious left wing back... I think at centre half we might be a bit short as well. Yeah, I'll I just definitely.
0: we're going to play three. We definitely need well, more.
2: We've going. got well the next one is we've got Norton and Brandon Cooper, haven't we? And I mean, Cooper's um, not getting a game time last night. Yeah, I'm assuming, like, yeah I'm assuming that. And then, I mean, from my point of view, Norton shouldn't have had another contract. So yeah, they they definitely need to bring someone in there.
1: Yeah, that would be. I think you know, and an a left footer if we it would be brilliant. And obviously they're hard to come by. But again, I just think that would give the team so much more balance, especially if you play with a three. But even with a four. Um, so he's going to need to bring someone in there, and I think it probably wouldn't do any harm for that to be someone with some experience, and I'm not talking like, you know, no disrespect at Norton's age, but, you know, Darling, Cabango, Wood are all relatively, well, they are young players, so it would be good to get someone in about 27, 28, really, who's who's still hungry and wants to achieve something, Um, uh, you know, at least 30 and under, Um, but just I think that would make a difference with those With those players um you know who knows something could still happen there you know it it wouldn't overly surprise me if someone came in for wood um so uh we'll 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 have to see and I guess that's the thing we're we're juggling at the minute isn't it we 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 just don't know what that team's going to look like um until at the end of August and I do think I know managers moan about that but I do think it's ridiculous that the season starts and you play these sort of four or five opening games with that hanging over you that that everything could suddenly change um but yeah as we've said all along the good thing is that we 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 we, if that does happen hopefully we're not being uh you know reactive to things
0: yeah well i mean what i'd be most impressed by steve is we've seen all the players that have joined the club so far in one one way or another and well let's go off the off the off the list and if you would list them probably come with the top in terms of what come with the reputation of what was harrison ashby and he had for me he had another really rusty game last night it wasn't dreadful by any stretch no one was but he wasn't finding his man he'd let a couple go out of play he didn't beat a man at all really last night he was very kind of but i was thinking if this guy is going to be the eye-catching signing that we expected and when he when he joined steve I mean, this is probably the the weakest performer of the new starters, new signing so far. And in terms of that, the the ceiling that he's got is supposedly so high. We're going to be really excited about when he settles in and comes good. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but it yeah, could be massive. I mean,
2: like he's a youngster, who's, you know, he's he's had to move a long way from home. um You know, he hasn't been here very long. I think we just, as we've said, we've just got to be patient with it. But I do agree, he has been rusty so far. um But. If he comes you know, good, that it, is huge, isn't it? There is that. But if he doesn't, it's the feeling of Josh Key is there. Yeah. So that's the other relief, isn't it? You're not looking at people now and thinking, he well, if starts he every week. If, he, if he doesn't yeah. come off, well, then then where are we going to turn then? So that's the most important thing is that, you know, this guy, we're hoping he comes off, and if he's as good as what the you know the reports have been, then brilliant. But if he isn't, I don't think it would be the end of the world either. So that's the the good thing for us now, is that you know, by strengthening the squad. We're not panicking too much and we're not over reliant on people or we we hope we won't
0: be over reliant on people so that's a p- big positive and on the face of it Stu, not one filler so far everyone's come in everyone looks like they they're going to add something to this squad
1: yeah and that's so important isn't it you know it's you want to bring players in who are going to make you better and that's stating the obvious but yeah bringing players in who, i think we've done a few loan signings haven't we in the past where where they've had such a you know you look at finn stevens last
2: season yeah um, flex, and then, and then obviously the Guard in January, which was you yeah, know, literally, uh, well, completely pointless because you get the in the fisher had thrown one in the net. He still wouldn't have been picked.
1: And then there was it, Finn Burns from Man City, the January form, Reese Reese Williams, who yeah. you know players who, who, who just um, are making up the numbers almost without being unkind to them. And and clearly, you know, in some of those cases, there would have been an expectation that those players would have performed better than they did. And when you're doing loan deals, that's always obviously a a concern as a gamble i know that clubs certainly at championship level never like taking someone on their first loan they like someone to have gone somewhere else first and almost another club to have had the difficulties with that player adjusting to you know new teammates new manager new club new city like steve said but that should be moving a long way so um and the only other thing obviously with loans is is it's it's short-termism isn't it you know that they're important and i think you should use them um because sure as hell other championship clubs will but it's really good when you see players coming in and signing, you know, three year contracts and you're thinking, OK, that's an investment for the future. Because we all know the situation at the Swans. We have to sell clubs, uh, uh, sell, sell players to, to survive, um, or to make ends meet, really. You know, there's obviously a shortfall every season. And so you've got to be developing players and bringing them through. And mm. see Flynn Downs was an example of that. And Perot is proved to be an, you know, an exceptional signing, obviously. Um, so yeah, the loan's good, but I think it, it, you you want to um, also be bringing in those other signings, like we have done. And I hope the left wing back will be a uh, will be a, a permanent signing. I know we've been looking at it, it's been reported that we've been looking at Sam McCullum, the Norwich, um, the Norwich player. Mm-hmm. And I think they wanted to get a replacement in in first, um, even though he's not in the team, so to speak. But you know, to have an understudy for 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 whoever is operating on that side for them, but um yeah i'd just be all for someone coming in and look i didn't we we obviously missed out on buchanan didn't we but i looked at what birmingham paid for him and the length of contract they gave him and equally i wouldn't want to go that far you know i I think you've you've got to be sensible about these deals and and not be held to ransom on them so um yeah we'll see how it goes with ashby i I just think it's really important that you we, we sort of you know um when i did my list of things on sunday uh, sort of reflecting on the game another change I thought I won't come out the ground and go straight on my phone when I'm you know, emotional and yeah. saying more than I should but I was, I was looking for one on Ashby a, 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 an emoji for patience and I, and I couldn't find one but that's what I would have said I just think let the lad settle a little bit yeah he hasn't said it light in the first two games but it is the first two games and he's clearly a very talented player Newcastle wouldn't have paid three million for him if that weren't the case
0: well, so all accounts, he had a cracking pre-season out in America as well. And I think more than anything, I'm excited but to see if he's is rusty as he is now and we're not seeing it yet, then we could see something really great coming in late in the season. If we're looking at all these other positions and how we've strengthened and um, and improved across the pit, I really, I'm just at this dangerous position, still, where we don't really have... Uh, as swans fans um at the start of season where we're looking at it thinking oh god this this is a really positive vibe and, and a kind of sense of um a new new era perhaps in the ownership structure and how we're doing business and stuff and things start to feel good and do you know what stu is leaving me a little bit uneasy because i'm not sure how to deal with that emotion <laughs> well we've had i mean certainly if i if i reflect obviously
1: steve mentioned about the the chaos of Wilfred Boney coming back and um and uh, Irente going at the end of that, that that terrible window, but you know, then the following season it was an awful mess, wasn't it? With Graham Potter, it, we went going into the you know that Preston day. game. Ah, uh, oh, I remember being overseas and uh on holiday and just um being sad enough to have the notifications on it just flashing up with you know, another one gone, Jordi Amat gone, Fernandez gone, it was just a long list of people, and obviously Joe Roden, it was great he got an opportunity, didn't he? And um, but at the time, I think he was the only centre half of Van der horn left the club, so that was a mess. And then, and we we know what's happened in you know uh, under Russell Martin under the windows where the club have, have not really uh, they've made a pig's ear of things at times. I guess the only window that we had that was remotely positive, I recall when when Trevor Birch did really good business with McBurney and Dan James early on in that one, and mm. and then Cooper was able to bring in some using his contacts some really really good um, you know loan signings. But again, that was kind of Uh, It's always going to be short termism with that, as I said before. And, 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 you know, I think when Russell Martin came in that summer uh, two years ago, it was just felt quite a mess, really, the squad. So, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's positive. Let's hope that we're still um, feeling feeling upbeat, you know, after West Brom on Saturday.
0: Well, let's talk about West Brom on Saturday and Steve, because. Um, I guess we could call Birmingham a mixed bag. I think we all agree that a point was failed in the all 3 but certainly created enough to to warrant getting a point out of that game. Um, And it was was a balanced game. And we move on to Tuesday just gone, and we see that sort of polished performance that we were hoping, um, albeit against lower league opposition. Uh, And now we go on the road um, to the Midlands and hoping for perhaps a little bit more of a, a Michael Duff, team performance than we saw against Birmingham where we see um, the sorts of passages of play which we've seen in, in fits and starts a little bit against Reading, a little bit again against Northampton the other night and those moments where you think oh, I can see what he's trying to do here, I can see why he's had success with this in the past.
2: Yeah definitely and I think the other thing would be that I mean especially in the second half the other day I didn't think Birmingham offered a lot whereas you look at it, West Brom as a home side what they finished above us last year they'll probably still have ambitions of the playoffs, even though I think it'll be tough for them because they've lost a few players, but they're likely to have a go with us, aren't they? So sometimes that can suit us a little bit better. So I think it will be an interesting one on uh, on the weekend. But yeah, as you say, we're still just sort of trying to build, aren't we? And, um, you know, players setting it in, getting used to each other. So, you know, I'm not expecting brilliant things again, I'm, but I'd like to see more... Encouragement, and you certainly think after what happened in the midweek, where a lot of the first choice players did at least, even if they didn't start, they came on sub. Won't do any harm for confidence with it. So, you know, but this is going to be a tough game, isn't it? I think if we came away with something from this game, I'd be quite pleased with that. I mean, I'm, you know, it, we I know last year we did go there and win. It was a great win. and Obviously, we nicked it quite late, and we saw so probably one of the the highlights of the season. Although, of course, the uh, the standout would be a, a different last minute winner. But um, yeah, I couldn't help but mention that. Um, but look, it was it was a great one, and obviously we haven't played them that long ago when you think about it, because the last game of last season was mm. was against West Brom, wasn't it? And that ended in the same way with last la- goal. <laughs> last, last kick of the game. So you know, um, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what we. It'll, it'll be a tough one, I think, up there. But the interesting thing now is a few players playing well, as we said in the Northampton game. Then you know, it's it gives the manager a. A nice sort of headache doesn't
0: it yeah very much so it's interesting Steve mentioned West Brom at the end of last season still because I think it was the 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 journalists line of well if this is the last time we see Joe Pirro, then um what a fitting send-off it was scoring that last kick of the game winner um and and now fast forward a few months, and Swansea get new investment and show to the transfer market, and 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 progressive signings, and and even rumours. Uh, well, I say, rumours was come straight from Michael Dust's mouth that they are actually willing to sit down and discuss with the club's hierarchy the potential of a new deal. I mean, that is still very much in the case of if no one else offers the club's valuation of the man, which is uh, which is kind of out there is the worst kept secret in football, really, that we are willing to sell. But the idea that we are tying with the idea of adding to his contract as it stands is another sign that this club is trying to handle itself a little differently now. It's, it's, again, optimism.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, realistically, this should have been done after the first season, shouldn't it, stating the obvious? You know, he had a really good first season um, and there would have been no reason then for the club not to try and get him on a new contract. Um, I think they were late trying to do that and uh i don't think it's been e- easy negotiating with Perot's people either um so so i'm not saying it was straightforward but um i think there would have been an opportunity to do that if they'd have been prepared to um i say push the boat out with the money i don't think they'd have had to gone uh, crazy with it but anyway look that ship sailed mm. i think the only way that he signs a new contract now is if there's a relatively low release clause in there you have to be realistic about that um Perot, you know given pro Significantly more money a week um, would be just bringing him short-term reward in many respects, in terms of what he could potentially earn by, you know, um, joining another club. So uh, a lot will depend, obviously, on the level of interest that there is out there. And if if something doesn't materialise late in the window, um, and that could be, you know, Premier League level, uh, a struggling Premier Premier League club that gets off to a bad start and is suddenly crying out for goals, or or I think you know I still think one of the relegated um, Premier League clubs in the Championship this season is a it could be a it could be a destination for pro If anything like that doesn't happen, then yeah, you could see a, a scenario potentially where Perot signs a new deal um, with a low release clause. And I think yeah, people would have to accept that's what it's going to be. You know, he's not going to sign a three four year deal um, without some kind of written assurance that. If a club comes in January or um, at the end of the season, he's got a relatively clear passage to go. Because at this moment in time, obviously, he could sit tight and Mm. wait till January and then, you know, be in a position to agree a pre-contract with, uh, you know, with a club overseas or he goes on a lucrative free next summer. But I think the real positive at the minute, sometimes in these scenarios, and we've seen this, you know, with Obafemi, let's be honest, was a right pain in the ass um, Mm. last season. Um, and, you know, disruptive things in a way that, you know, you can't underestimate. We haven't seen that with Perot. Um, no, been, not at all. You, you talked about him, where he applied himself. Obviously, I didn't see last night. I obviously saw Saturday and I've seen glimpses of pre-season. Um, you know, he's been he's been fully committed. And, hey, if he's got any sense, he's trying to score the goals to get him his move, isn't he? You know, it would be, it'd be foolish for him not to. Um, and I'm quite happy for that to carry on because I know I've seen some people saying, Oh, look, you know if he doesn't sign no worries this he, he could be our ticket to promotion I, I'll be honest I don't see it like that I just think that's financial madness um, that to me feels like a huge gamble when you're talking about Michael Duff coming in this is his first season and um, thinking yeah let's roll the dice and hope that pro can score the goals to win promotion and if he doesn't do it we just write off you know whatever it is 810 million pounds I don't think Swansea's in a position to do that so um yeah, for the minute, I think it's just positive. He's He's got all the incentive to go and do well, play well, score goals. And that helps us in the short term, trying to put points on the ball at the start of the season. And it might help us in terms of increasing his value if he stays and signs a deal with a release cause. Brilliant. Um, but for me, the worst case scenario is um, he goes on a free next summer.
0: Well, I, I feel like, and I know Steve mentioned earlier about feeling like we would do the business we expect to do as opposed to the previous transfer windows where we thought... We might actually not do the most obvious piece of business here. It does feel like now we're feeling that the people in charge of doing the transfers have got a sensible idea of how football works. Um before we finish, just a quick uh, quick fire for both of you. Uh Perot Grimes Wood. How many of them are here on September the third? Steve first. Two. Ooh. I think Grimes
2: will go to Southampton. You reckon? Well, it looks like Walt Prowse is going. I'm assuming Lavia will go. They're going to need players then, aren't they? I, I, I interpreted Grimes' words well last week as a bit of a come-and-get-me plea. Um, but, yeah, I hope we take Southampton to the cleaners. They've got the money. And also, they were tossers in terms of the way that they dealt with the Russell Martin <laughs> thing. So
0: We'll get his money another way by yeah, charging 25 Well, no, I still grand. think we
2: might get the money that we're more than entitled to. But mm-hmm. I also now think, well, I, be prepared to not take the money from them and make them pay. Over the odds. Yeah. Uh, well, so, st- stitch them up. It's exactly what they deserve. They, if you're going to take someone's manager, just pay the fair release clause because you're
0: going to cause a lot of upheaval to a club to try and pull a fast one. It's, it's just not odd, is it? There's a, there's a Southampton fan and podcaster actually I follow on Twitter and I uh, started following after this Russell Martin since saga and was chatting during the summer and he was really upset today that West Ham had agreed terms with Ward-Prowse before they'd agreed a fee for him and I replied saying it's not exactly how you've got your manager by the way because yeah, exactly. <laughs> we still haven't agreed a compensation deal for Russell Martin as he's sitting in their dugout but you know hypocrisy i eh? uh, say so yeah. what about you would uh grinds and perot how many of those three are going to be one? Do you know what? i
1: can I give you an answer to that without saying who because i really don't know but i fear it will just be one of them left at the end of it um and i hope i'm wrong on that uh but that's just my my feeling you know they've all that you can make cases for all of them for why teams would want to sign them i think especially grimes in in joel perot um i am kind of been resigned to pro going so I'd be really disappointed if Grimes left I know he he sometimes gets a bit of stick from the Swans fans but I love Matt Grimes I think he's been um, a really underrated player and servant at the club and um, yeah he's brave he gets on the ball even if he's having uh, having a difficult game I know he'll still go looking for the ball all the time and won't hide um, and yeah that pass on Saturday was further evidence for his ability so I'd really hope he stays um, but uh, I agree with what Steve said. Um, he, it's important that the club take a really, really strong stance. And we've had you know, the the word that we're not under pressure to sell that kind of thing. How, however true that is, I don't know. But it's certainly dealing with Southampton, given it's been really, really problematic over Russell Martin. And we still don't know what we're going to get in compensation. Um, if if they were to go for Grimes with a load of money burning a hole in their pocket, which is clearly going to be the case, then we really should be driving up the asking price. Um, he's got two years on his contract mm. and uh, that plays into our hands in a way that it doesn't with Perot. So, yeah, um, as I say, fingers crossed, it is only one of them that goes. Um, it'd be disappointing to think it'd be more than that.
0: Oh, did you did you mean one would go or two would go? Sorry, so I was saying I I think two will go. I think, you we'll think two will go. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. be I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it because I'm holding the optimism candle on this new uh investor. wrong? How can you be the? Optimism oh, you know on? right. What well, happened as this podcast, so I'm not effing and blinding every two minutes. But I'm um, I'm looking at the way the club has handled itself during the summer and how they've gone about their business very quietly under the radar people are find about names when it's already done, which is very unlike us well, since following this one's even Hugh Jenkins wasn't like that, was he, in terms of keeping things done. So on that note, I'm going to say that we're going to have all three, uh, which would be, wow, what a statement that would be. And I hope, I, let's well, obviously, we all hope that I'm right in that one, because that will mean that the club are, um, obviously, squad will be so strong as a result of that, but we'll see. We'll see. It will be very interesting anyway. There's a lot of business to be done, and for once, it actually feels like Swansea City are going to be the ones doing the business throughout the transfer window rather than just on deadline day, which we've become accustomed to. Um, so keep 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 it close here. We're going to keep an eye on what happens around uh, the transfer window and, of course, come back to you after the West Brom game on Saturday where we hope we get the first league win under Michael Duff. A massive thanks, Stu, for joining us this evening. It's been great chatting to you.
1: Uh, it was a pleasure, you boys. Good to speak to you both. And, um, yeah, hopefully uh, be back on again um, during the season and look forward to seeing you again soon.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll be talking about the promotion party. and No, I'm only joking. It's a long, long season. There's a long transfer window left to go yet, but we'll see what happens. We remain optimistic and hope this is a new dawn and a new era for Swansea City. Uh, We'll be back next week, as I say, after West Brom. Uh, But until then, have a lovely week and a weekend, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.